Okay, we are in Sefer Yecheskel, Perik Mim Dalad, Pasuk Tesvav Kohanim Vahalavim B'nei Sadok. We are coming to the home stretch of Yecheskel after this four more prakim. We are, of course, broadcasting live from the studios of Gevura Shul in the heart of the Wall Street District. So let us begin. Uh, from Tesvav, this parrot now becomes the maftir for Parshas Emor. And it, as you're going to see, is a very logical choice because Emor delineates what the duties, the responsibilities of the Kohen were. And uh, that is exactly what this parrot will do as well. The problem, as we're going to see, is that as we should have learned by now, nothing in Yechezkel is simple. There's always a complexity or a difficulty involved. And here it is that the rules given in terms of the Kohen on certain issues is not only uh, in conflict, but contradictory to what we have learned as the halacha in uh, Vayikra. So you have to reconcile what are they saying here as opposed to what the halacha we have always learned. And it leads to a very fundamental machlokis between Rashi and Radak, and let's just talk it out first. Rashi's theory is that you stay with the shot, you hold first the halacha, and now what you've got to do is take the shot literally and interpret it. Radak has an easier task. Radak says, no, what you do here is you must assume that in the Bayeshlishi there will be an elevated level of Kedusha where the rules are different. Everyone is moving up a step, as it were. The Kohen, the normal Kohen Hedjot, is going to be held to the same standard as a Kohen Gadol. So let's just talk out an example we're going to come to very shortly. It's going to tell us in this parrot that the Kohen wears big day pishkan, linen garments, and only linen garments, does not wear anything else. We know the halacha is totally different. The Kohen wears treles, the Kohen can wear uh, cotton, semer. In fact, the avnate of the regular Kohen is a mixture of flax and cotton. So how do you reconcile your restricted only to flax, to pishtam? So you take Rashi's theory. Rashi's theory is there is a moment on Yom Kippur where the Kohen Gadol, more than it's a phase of the Avodah, where the Kohen Gadol, while in the Kodesh Kedoshim, wears only pishtam. And so then Rashi, like, wedges it in that this is what the Pasuk is talking about. It's talking about the Kohen Gadol in that period where he must wear Pishtan. That's what they mean. It's a stretch, and it's a very difficult squeeze sometimes, as we're going to see. The Radak says, no. From now on, in Bayat Shlishi, the Kohen 
uh, the regular Kohen is going to be elevated to the status of a Kohen Gadol. And so, yes, he's going to wear just Pishtun if that is what the requirement is. Before we get to that, we now come to in Tesvav, and this was a question that was asked yesterday here, and it's a very good question, is after hundreds, perhaps thousands of years, how are the Kohanim know how to officiate? How are they going to know what the avoda? How are they going to know their lineage, their genealogy? And now we're going to get the answer. It is not all the Kohanim. It's a very specific segment of the Kohanim, what we call the B'nai Tzadok. So we pick it up on Tesvav. The Kohanim Malavim B'nai Tzadok, the family of Tzadok, and we must remember that Tzadok was the Kohen at the time of King David, Sadok can trace his genealogy directly back to Elazar, the son of uh, Aaron, and Sadok is reputed never, the family never flagged in its avodah to Hashem, its loyalty, its adherence to, to the halacha and to the avodah, and so they and only they are going to be the Kohanim in that third temple. So that answers the question. The family of Tzadok never wavered. They are qualified both genetically and by uh, loyalty and religious adherence to be the Kohanim in the new temple. They guarded my strictures, says the the Kaddish Baruch Hu, because B'nai Yisrael may lie, when they, B'nai Yisrael, wandered from my rule, they, B'nai Tzadok, will be able to approach my altar and to serve me. They will stand before me and bring <coughs> the fats and the blood, the Um Hashem Elohim. So says the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Hamer Yavo el Mikdashai, the Hamer Yikravu el Shulchanai, the Shorseni, the Shamru es Mishmarti. They, and only they, will come to my temple. They will sacrifice on my table. We're talking about the Shulchan, where you brought the Lechem Haponim. They will be there to serve me, and they will guard my Mishmeres, my rules, my halachas. And when they come to the Shari Hapnimis, these Kohanim B'nai Tzado, Hachotzer Hapnimis, we alternatively, it is the Heichal, some say it is the Kotche um, Kedoshim. And so, big day Pishkim Yilbashu, they will wear clothes of flax. That's where we get it from, because if it is the Kotche Kedoshim, yes, there was a phase where the Kohen Gadol is restricted to Pishkin on Yom Kippur. The Lo Yaleh Alehem Tzemer, and wolves shall not come upon them. Bishosam Bishare HaChotzeh HaPnimus Oboiso. When they serve me in the Share HaPnimus. So you see, Rashi can have it that way. He can say, we are talking about the Kohen Gadol in the Shar HaPnimus, in the Kotzeh Kedoshim, in Yom Kippur, in that isolated phase where he's only restricted to linen garments. Radak says, 
Now the Kohen Hedjot in the third temple will be elevated to the status of a Kohen Godot. Continues the Navi, Pare Pishkim Yuarosham, he will have a hat again of just Pishkim, Michnisei Pishkim, he will wear uh, flax breeches, Yuarosham on his hips, Lo Yechagru Biyaza. Very interesting halacha, it should not be belted where one sweats. Uh, the, the sweat was considered a bizarion, so you wore the avnate, the belt, in the middle of your chest, not around your waist, not exactly under your arms. Um, and that also gives um, <coughs> buttresses Rashi that yes, you wear it because you don't want, you can't have the wool, again, would stimulate the, uh, the sweating of the body. So that yes, that would explain it. Um, continues the Navi. But say when they go out, when they're finished with the avoda, el hachotzer hachitzona, to the outer chotzer, that's where the people were gathered there. El hachotzer hachitzona repeats it a second time, el ha'om, to the people. Yifshitu es bigdehem, they strip themselves of the begodim they were wearing, ashaheno meshosimbam, v'hinichu osam belishkas hakodesh, you will recall just two or three days ago, we learned that in the chamber where the Mizbeach was surrounded on four corners of four lishkos, chambers where that the Kohen would change his clothes, and that's where the Kohen would leave his clothes after he finished the avoda. The love should be Achirim, and before he went out to the Chatzer HaChitzona to either greet or mingle with the people, he took those clothes off, why So that the nation would not be sanctified by his clothes. It's a strange phrase. What does it mean? It means that if the Kohen Gadol went out with these very sanctified uh, begodim, it would give the people the impression they're on an equal footing in sanctity. So he had to strip himself of the garments. They say, after not they say, it's the rule, after Yom Kippur, the garments could never be used again. They were put in, in Geniza in hiding. And the Kohen Gogol would go out in his ordinary street clothes uh, to mingle with the people. So, Varosham Lo Yigalechu, continuing with the rules of the Kohen, their hair should not be totally shaved. Upera Lo Yishalechu, their hair should not grow <clears throat> without restriction. In other words, it should be somewhere moderate, in between. Kisum Yachsimu Esrosheham, there was a certain style that we delineate that you kept it down, you kept it flat, you joined one hair to the other. Uh, it happens to me in some cases it's very complicated, but that's what you did. You picked the median. And wine, they should not drink the Kohen when he came to the Chatzir Hapnimis, the inner Chatzir. Perfect example of a contradiction. The Kohen who was doing avoda cannot become intoxicated. That's what it says in Vayikra. If he's actively engaged in the avoda, he cannot 
drink enough wine to intoxicate. It says nothing about a regular Kohen coming to the Chatzar HaPnimis. And yet, that's what this says. And so Rashi could say here, it is means a Kohen participating in the Avoda. And Radak would say, now every Kohen is going to have that elevated requirement. They cannot even consume wine before they come in, regardless of the fact that they are not performing in Avoda. Now the permitted degrees of mourning, the Almana, Urusha, I'm sorry, not morning of taking a wife. The Kohen should not take a widow or a divorcee as a wife. Must be a virgin from Israel. However, the Kohen can theoretically take an almana previously widowed in a marriage from a former Kohen. That's not the halacha. Um, the Kohen Gado cannot marry an almana uh, or a grusha. The regular Kohen has certain permissibility and um, he can take it. Oh, again, you've got to reconcile that. Based on me now, here's a wonderful question. You always think of it. The Kohanic family, each family, there were 24 of them, served one week at a time and then they were relieved. So the most you would get in a 52 week season is two weeks of being uh, a Kohanic family participating in the Avoda. What did they do the other 50 weeks? And here's the answer. They are teachers. They are to be full-time teachers, from Shabbos to weekdays, teaching the distinction between Kodesh and Chol, and between Tameh, defiled, and cleansed. They've got to teach. And if there is a machlokes, there is a fight, there is a question of uh, halacha, they can decide that yamdu the mishpat, the mishpatai, you spoke to, they will make my judgments, the Torah sai, the sai, they will guard my Torah, my hukah, the whole moadei the holidays they will guard, the shabsosai yikadeshu, and they will see that my Shabbos is sanctified. So yes, they had a full-time job as teachers to the nation. Now, when a person dies, they shall not defile themselves by um, corpse contact, except we know there are seven Krovos, that the Kohen was allowed to metame himself. Kiim la'av, father, mother, ulevein ulevas, son, daughter, la'ach, la'chos, brother, sister, asher lo hoisola yishitamu. The sister would have to have been single. You should not be metame. The only problem there is we only list six, and we know there are seven. Uh, we have left out his wife. And so it's a very interesting question. The Rambam says the wife, the wife is not the Orisa, it's the Rabbanon. And so therefore, it's optional, you can do it. The others are mandatory. The Kohen must not only 
uh, be allowed to participate in their uh, funerals, in their uh, observances, they should. He has to. It's an obligation. So those seven, and that's the reason why it looks like there's a skip, skipping the uh, wife, but she is included to Rabbana. Um, continues, the Achar Tiharaso Shivas Yomim and after they are Tahar, seven days, they, I'm sorry, they count seven clean days, just like one who is Tome, just like one who is uh, Nazir, who has come in contact. Uh, the only thing is the Radak says that perhaps in the third base Hamikdash, with that elevated sense of um, Kedusha, it's a different seven days. You count another seven days. When they come to the Chatzar Hapnimis, Lashores, Vakodesh, Yaakov Chataso. In other words, every Kohen coming for the first time brings what we call a Korban Chavitin. It's like an initiation into his start of an, the Avodah. Not every time it is that first time. And the rule is, the Mephoshim say, that even if he did in the Bayes Cheney, and let's say it's a short time to the Shlishi, or even had he sacred history in the Bayes Rishon, he brings another one. You cannot count your previous Chavitim. You have to do a new initiation Theoretically, each time there was a base hamikdash. The nachla ani nachla sam. They will be to me the nachla. I will be their nachla. As we know, the kohen levim did not have a given nachla, a territory like the other tribes did. And we are going to see this in the next pair. I am their nachla, their legacy, their inheritance. And a grant of land or territory they will not have in Israel, I am their land. And Hamincha, Hachatas, Asham, those korbanos of Mincha, Hachatas, and Asham, Hemo Yochlium, they will eat, that is what they will subsist on, the Kohanic gifts from each korban. When a person declares something as a gift or as belonging to Hekdesh, it is theirs to consume. The Rashi's called Bikuri, my first fruits, the Bikurim. The Chol Truma, and all Truma that the person must give, the mandatory gifts from his produce. Call me Chol Truma, say him, La Kohanim yeah, they belong to the Kohen. Vereshis Ariso Sechem, taking that first Chala, that belongs to the Kohen. Titnu La Kohen, Loniach Bracha Besecha, a very interesting thing. So the purpose of giving that Rashis Hachala is to bring Bracha to your house. Moreover, called Nevela the Trefa. A Nevela is an improperly slaughtered animal. Its chita is not appropriate. The Trefa, it's a sickly animal that should not be slaughtered, certainly should not be consumed. Mina of, mina behema, from the bird or animal, lo yochelu hakohanim, the kohanim should not eat from. Here again is an inconsistency. It's not just the kohanim. 
The individual can't have nevela, can't have trefa. Why are they shifting to the Kohen? Interesting parish the Radak has that in a bird, when you do the malika, the squeezing of the neck, sacrificing a bird, it becomes permissible to the Kohen, even though it is considered nevela. So you might think that since he's allowed to do it here, the Kohen could have nevela. No, he can't. Not withstanding that special slaughtering of a bird. So it repeats it here to show it is the Kohen, we showing that the Kohen straight through. Of course, we're not permitted to have Nevela or an improper Shrita. So, tomorrow we will continue on that phase of dividing up the land in the era of that third base Hamikdash, 8.45 a.m. Make sure to be here, Adkan.